The Holy Spirit is a gift to the believer, a helper, a comforter, an advocate, and then some. But did you know that we can frustrate the Holy Spirit by our actions, our words, and we may not even be aware of it? In this series, Please, Please Grieve Not the Holy Spirit, we'll look into how this happens and, more importantly, what we can do to make sure it doesn't happen. Let's jump in. Well, today... We're going to continue our study regarding the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. The title of this lesson is, Please, 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 Grieve Not the Holy Spirit. During our first two sessions, we developed a clear picture, a clearer picture, I think, of the office of the Holy Spirit. He is the entity of the Godhead that most Christians know the least. We recognize that the Holy Spirit exists, but generally have not developed a relationship with him as we have with God our Father and Jesus, our Lord and Savior. To many believers, he's distant at best. In an effort to change this, we began this study. As I mentioned last week, it is imperative that you purchase the first two sessions to study for your own spiritual enrichment and edification. We went over a lot of material in those first two lessons. So it is for your benefit that I say that. In case you missed the other lessons, I will lend you a few key components discussed. We learned that the Holy Spirit has a personality that consists of a mind, a will, and emotions. We learned that he can in fact be grieved and discuss some of the ways that we as believers contribute to his grief. Time was spent on discussing the fact that the Holy Spirit was sent to be our helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, and standby. We talked about becoming more familiar with his presence in our lives. We learned about his deity or divine character and nature. We covered 10 specific areas and read scripture for each of the areas. The 10 that were discussed were number one, that the Holy Spirit is God. Now most people have heard the term Trinity or three in one. They accept that the Godhead consists of God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. For some people, that may seem a bit confusing. So to be clear, as an example, I stand before you and I am a daughter of the Most High God. I am also a wife, I'm a mother, I'm a sister, and I stand before you right now in the role as teacher. I'm one person, but all of those things do apply. So with that said, it's not strange that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We also read scripture that showed the Holy Spirit joined in working in concert, if you will, with the Father and the Son. We learned that the Holy Spirit is eternal or everlasting. These next three traits are super exciting to me. We learned that the Holy Spirit is omnipotent, almighty or infinite in power, power that he is omniscient, having complete or unlimited knowledge, awareness or understanding, perceiving 
all things. How many things are left out of all? Nothing, right? So he perceives all things. Also, he's omnipresent, which means he's present everywhere at the same time. We confirm that the Holy Spirit is indeed the creator. He is sovereign, a person who has supreme power or authority. The Holy Spirit also plays an intricate role in the new birth, new creation. We talked about the fact that a person can sin against the Holy Spirit, also known as the unpardonable sin. In other words, if anyone speaks against the Holy Spirit, they will never be forgiven, either in this world and age or in the world and age to come. Most importantly, the Holy Spirit lives in us for those of us who believe, who have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. He lives on the inside of us, enabling us to flow and function well together in the body of Christ with all of the power contained in the Godhead. We also learned something that is extremely important and most relevant, and that is God accomplishes nothing, no thing, in this earth realm, except through the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit operates through the body of Christ, the church. God the Father and Jesus the Son are currently in the throne room of heaven. The Holy Spirit is the one moving about, empowered to do the will of the Most High God. Now we let our fingers turn many pages of scripture, especially last week, <laughs> to establish what I have just stated. And that's a good thing. It is also the reason that we need to invest, that's the reason you rather need to invest in yourself. Notice how I said that. Invest in yourself by purchasing those CDs. It has nothing to do with me, but I want you to get this. I want it to become a part of you. And the only way to do that with all the stuff that we cover is for you to get it and be able to digest it, meditate on it, and further study it. Amen? Now, how many of you would say that you're here today because of the teaching ministry of Apostle Frederick Casey Price? Amen. Okay, praise the Lord. Great. I think then that it is fair to say that you've learned from him and you trust his teaching, correct? One of the things that the Apostle has stated is that it is wonderful when we can learn experientially and not have to walk through every experience ourselves. In other words, I don't need to smoke a carton of cigarettes to learn that smoking is not good for my lungs. I can look at others, I can really turn on the TV and look at those awful commercials, okay, and learn that it is a bad idea. It's not a good idea to do it, okay? So we can learn experientially, experientially from one another. To that end, I'm going to share with you some personal information about the apostle from a book that he has written sharing his own experience regarding the person of the Holy Spirit. Many of you may already have the book, 
If you don't, I suggest that you add it to your personal library. It is entitled, The Holy Spirit, The Missing Ingredient. And it looks like this. This is the current cover of it. It used to be different, so you may have it in the different color, you know, cover, which is fine. But really try to get a hold of this book if you can. So reading from the book, the apostle writes, there was a nagging sensation within me that something was wrong, something was missing. I knew that there was no power being manifested in my own life, or as far as I could see, in the life of the church. For many months, I had been completely dissatisfied with our Wednesday night prayer services. They seemed so empty and formal. There was a lack of conviction of real joy and victory. Our prayer seemed to be rising no further than the ceiling. There was a dimension of the Christian life and experience that was lacking, but I didn't know what it was. Now you do not have to raise your hands, but I hope you really got that. And I want you to start thinking about what I'm saying and start asking yourself the question, is that where you are right now at this moment? And it's okay if you are, but I want you to think about it as we continue, okay? Now he also writes, during the week of February 8th, 1970, I received a phone call from a friend of mine, Jack Goffigan, a chaplain in the Central Jail in downtown Los Angeles. He invited me to have lunch with him the following week. In the meantime, Ms. Coleman, because in the book he talks about Catherine Coleman, many of you may or may not have heard of her, um, was coming back to the shrine on the 15th. Remember that she was supposed to speak on the subject of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Since her meeting in January, Ms. Coleman had been to Vietnam, Vietnam and back. So on the 15th, instead of preaching about the Holy Spirit, she talked about her trip to Vietnam. As you can well imagine, I was disappointed beyond description. Now, the reason he writes that is because all throughout this book, he is sharing with you how he really was trying to learn and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me explain this before I even go further. Many of you know this, but in case you don't. It is one thing to be born of the Spirit of God. When you are born again, when you have asked Jesus to become your Lord and Savior, you are born of the Spirit of God. So yes, the Holy Spirit does live inside of you. There is no question. However, there is a second gift that is made available only to believers, and that is to be filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit, to overflowing, evidenced by speaking with other tongues. That is what the apostle was seeking. Okay, he was seeking that second transaction to be filled to overflowing with the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he continues writing saying, Jack and I met for lunch on Thursday, February 19, 1970. Out of the clear blue, during our conversation over lunch, he began to relate an experience he had several years before. He said that his life and ministry had been so empty, so void of power. One day at a meeting he attended with several other ministries, ministers rather, excuse me, he was introduced to the subject of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. 
that's exactly what I'm speaking of. The baptism is another way of saying to be filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking with other tongues. Back to the apostle writing. When the meeting was over and the men were standing around in groups of two and three, someone asked him if he was interested in receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said that he was. The man told him that he was going to lay hands on him and pray as the apostles had done in the first century. Jack said he had no idea what to expect. He was told to ask the Lord to baptize him with the Holy Spirit. He did this and then it happened, just like on the day of Pentecost. He opened his mouth and began speaking in unknown tongues. He told me that he was both amazed and thrilled. Since that day, his joy had been full. I was fascinated, the apostle writes. I related to him how I was feeling and what I was experiencing. It sounded just like his experience prior to receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. As we parted that day, he said that he had some books that he thought I would be interested in and that might be helpful in resolving my problem. They were Face Up with a Miracle by Don I think it's Basham. I might have botched that up. I apologize if I did. They Speak with Other Tongues by John Sherrill and This Awakening Generator by John H. Osteen. Now, what I want you to notice here is the investment of time and study by reading three different books. The fact that three different books were suggested to him and the apostle was readily available to accept three different books. Again, something that we, and not all of us, because you're here, but many people that you may know have a tendency to do. They want to grow in the things of God. They want to know how to get their lives to the level that we see that the apostle's life is and we you know, appreciate and want to emulate, but then we don't want to do the work. You know, it's sort of like I want to be Serena Williams, but I don't want to get out on the practice court. It doesn't work that way. You have to invest in yourself. Amen? Okay, so with that being said, um, back to what Apostle is writing. He says, as I look back upon that time together, I stand in awe at the realization that God uses human instruments to bring a hungering, seeking child of his to that place of joy and fulfillment. While I left Jack and headed for the office, determined to read all three of the books, not knowing what to expect, but hoping to find my answer. I read Face Up with a Miracle first and immediately was struck with the conviction that this was it. After reading the very first chapter, I knew without a doubt that God was leading me. As I read Don's account of his hunger and thirst after that missing dimension in his own life, I thought for a moment that I was reading my own story. I finished Face Up with a Miracle and read the other two books with the deepening conviction that I was about, that I was about to reach the end of my quest. When I finished the last book, I knew that this was it. The baptism with the Holy Spirit and the evidence of speaking with other tongues was what I was looking for. This was the doorway into that supernatural realm of the manifestation of the power of God. I'm gonna read that last sentence again. This was the doorway into the supernatural realm of the manifestation of the power of God. When we pray with other tongues, it opens up the portal of heaven and unleashed to you is that supernatural power. 
there's nothing else like it. Back to what the apostle writes. In order to do the works and greater works that Jesus did, we must have the same enabling power that he had. And thank God that power is available to us today. Looking back over his life, it is strikingly evident that Jesus did not set about to do any ministry work until he had been anointed with the Holy Spirit at John's baptism. That is why he could do the works that he did, because the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. He needed to be filled with the Spirit of God. I, too, needed this enabling power in order to have, to be, rather, an effective witness for Jesus. That was the missing ingredient, spiritual power. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, when you read the book, you'll discover that the apostle went through quite a tough time as he was pursuing to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't easy for him. It wasn't like, an, you know, I just sit and I receive and, and that's it. He struggled with it. And that's why it's so important that you get the book if you can, because there's no way I can go over all of that with you. But it's, it's a very, very powerful book. Um, and it was a very emotional time for the apostle as well, as it is for many people that might be here who have wanted to receive this gift, but it just hasn't been so automatic. It's a very emotional thing when it's something that you want. Now, those of us who have followed the apostle's teaching for a while realize that he's relentless when it comes to the word of God. He was determined to receive all that God had for him. He left no stone unturned. So I'm going to read again a little bit of what he has written here. And I'm going to read starting up to the day which he entitles the crowning day, the river begins to flow. Saturday, February 28th, 1970, was to be an unforgettable day in my life, a day that would foreshadow a complete revolution in my ministry. Praise be to God. I slept late Saturday morning and actually had no force and had to rather force myself to get out of bed. I felt terrible, frustrated, discouraged. Now, has anybody ever felt that way? <laughs> I went to the barber shop late that afternoon for my regular haircut. We know he definitely got those. <laughs> As I was leaving the barbers, the thought came to me to go over to Tina. Now, he's speaking to Dr. Betty's aunt, Tina, which you would know if you read the book, but just, you know, so that you're following along with that. Um, she only had encouraging words for me. She told me about the wonderful service they had that afternoon and suggested that the two of us go together to the final service that night. I didn't feel much like doing anything, but I consented. The service that night was held in the fellowship hall. There were about 30 of us there sitting in a semicircle. We must have sung about 25 or 30 songs and it was surely a blessing to me, especially the way I was feeling then. Finally, Dr. Frost rose to give his closing message. He announced that the Lord had laid it upon his heart to talk about his own experience with the Holy Spirit, at least some facets of it. He said that quite frankly, he had had a problem with feelings. Now really hone into this, because this may be what some of you have felt. Excuse me, he related how the Lord took him step by step and revealed to him that it wasn't by feeling that we receive the Holy Spirit, but by faith and faith alone. A beautiful bright light 
went on inside of me. As he talked, the Lord revealed to me that there is only one way to receive anything from God, and that is by faith. In what God has promised in his word, praise God, praise God, praise God. Now I knew. My problem was that I wanted to feel something before I would be willing to accept what God very plainly says in his word is received by faith and faith alone. The dark clouds began to roll back and the sky became as clear as crystal. This was it. I had indeed received the gift of the Holy Spirit the very first time that I prayed and asked the Lord to baptize me after reading those first books. My problem was that I wouldn't accept God's gift on God's terms. I had my own mind made up as to how it would happen and because of that, I had missed the joy and blessing. Now, doesn't that sound like many of us sometimes? I mean, it could be in other areas of our life. But, I mean, I mean, I will admit, I mean, maybe, you know, I, it does sound a little bit like some of the things that we may do. Definitely. Okay. Um, oh, I'm going to read this last part, and then I'm going to go on to something else. Time has, this is the apostle writing again, time has come and gone. Since that crossing of the Jordan into the promised land, February 28, 1970, my whole life has changed, he writes. My ministry has been anointed by the Spirit. The joy and victory in prayer is unsurpassed. I'm still on cloud 100 and still climbing. Can you believe that? Praise God. Our congregation has been transformed. The consecration and dedication of many since they have received the fullness of the Spirit has been a joy to behold. The spiritual fiber and enthusiasm of the body of believers are at a fervent peak. Their outreach into the community has been spectacular. On November 26, 1973, we moved into a new facility, Crenshaw Christian Center. In July of 1977, because of the vast increase in the number of people coming to the center, we had to go to two morning worship services. We are regularly putting at each service about 1,300 people in our auditorium, plus several hundred people in our gym building where we have closed circuit television. In our three Sunday services, we are ministering to over 3,000 people per Sunday. Praise God. Our membership is over 2,600. Now keep this in mind. This book was written in 1978. Since then, over 10,000 plus have become members of Crenshaw Christian Center out west and over 75,000 people throughout the world and then some have received not just, you know, salvation but have been ministered the gift of the Holy Spirit. All because the apostle recognized there was a missing ingredient in his life and that ingredient was the office of the Holy Spirit where he was filled to overflowing. Amen? So, now I want you to know that, well, yeah, praise God, praise the Lord. I agree with you, my brother, praise the Lord. Because if he had not, guess what? We wouldn't be here. We would not be here. So, praise the Lord. Now, the first book that I ever purchased, by the way, that I ever purchased 
from the apostle was this book. Now, that may not mean too much to, to many people, but I have to tell you a little bit so that it will make a little bit more sense. When I first learned about the apostle, like many of you, I turned on the TV and I saw this man teaching and it just automatically grabbed my attention because I at the time was a mom and I was at home and it was not a financially great time for me and I needed to know how to help my husband and we needed to know how to pay our bills. Now I don't know, maybe that doesn't relate to any of you but I'm telling you that's what our story was, okay? So the thing that got to me though, because my mother had passed away when I was 15 years old and I can tell you that I was very angry with God because I stood there at, well sat there, not stood, but I was there at the memorial when the pastor who, you know, I loved and thought was wonderful stood up there like everybody else and said the same old, you know, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And, you know, people were coming to the house telling me how, you know, God needed another flower and this is why he took my mother. And I got to tell you, I didn't like it because I felt like I'm 15 years old. He couldn't have found another flower. He created all there is. My mother, he had, I, I mean, I had it, I'm being honest because I'm always authentic with you, okay? I was angry, <laughs> I was not happy at all. So this particular Sunday that the apostle was teaching, he talked about the last enemy to be destroyed is death. I was like, what? I mean, I never heard anything like that. And it let me know that death is an enemy. God did not take my mother because he needed some flower. The enemy is the one who snatched her from me. I'm telling you, it opened up my eyes and it melted my heart and I had to find out more. So we started, we found out that he was going to be in the Meadowlands in New Jersey. That was the first crusade that my husband and I went to and we bundled up the kids and stuck them in the car and went there. Now, they had book tables that were done in such a way that they were slanted. It's hard to just kind of, well, just imagine this massive table that's really, really pretty and really nice and has all these little slots for the books. And then down on the bottom of it, they had those little tiny mini books. Like we have some mini books, I'm sure, still out there. Well, the mini books cost 75 cents, okay? I didn't have an extra 75 cents for the books. So what I would do was I would be really cool and I'd go over and I'd grab a book and you know, all of these people were coming to buy books and I'm sitting up there and you wanna talk about reading as fast as you can? <laughs> I was reading those 75 cent books as fast as I could so that I could get a hold of the word. And then I would have to place it back because I didn't have the money to buy the book, but that's okay, I got the word. So, for me, I saved up. This book used to be $1.50. This was a big book, okay? It wasn't the little mini book. But I saved up so that I could buy this book. This is the first book that I bought. And I have to tell you something. It totally, completely, 100% changed my entire life entire life. So this book is very near and dear to my heart. Very, very near and dear to my heart. So after reading it, I knew that the Holy Spirit was the missing ingredient in my life. 
and was determined to receive this gift. After all, God is no respecter of persons. And if he gave this gift to the apostle, he certainly could give it to me. So on August 24th, 1984, at another crusade, it was at the, this one was at uh, the Nassau Coliseum on Long Island, I received the gift of the Holy Spirit evidenced by speaking with other tongues at one of the Apostles' Crusades. Both my husband and I received this precious gift on that night, and our lives have never, ever been the same as a result. Now, CCC New York, I truly, truly love you with the love of the Lord. And I choose when I stand here to be authentic with you, and I will share whatever I can for you to learn experientially and receive all that God has for you. So to that end, I'm going to share a few ways that the gift of the Holy Spirit has changed the entire lives of my family. Everything just completely changed it. Stan, my husband, launched his own business prior to us receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you something, it was a rough time. <laughs> I praise God for my husband. I always do. But I have always appreciated the fact that he has a tremendous work ethic. This man was working two jobs. I was working a full-time job and we had three children at the time and we were still struggling. So turn with me while I continue the story. Turn with me to the book of James, the first chapter, and we're going to read the fifth verse. Do you have it? It's James, the first chapter, the fifth verse. And I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version. And it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, I also like this out of the Amplified, so I'm going to share it with you out of the Amplified, and it says, If any of you is deficient in wisdom, let him ask of the giving God who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly without reproaching or fault-finding, and it will be given him. Well, at this point in our lives, this scripture jumped off of the page to me. And I prayed and I asked God to teach me how to market my husband's business. Now keep this in mind. Here I am. I'm not a marketing major. I don't know anything about marketing. I just knew that all the time when people you know, wanted you to have an interest in their business, they gave you the traditional little business card. And my husband's business at that time was painting. And I'm like, okay, do you know how, you could go anywhere. You could go into a library, you could go anywhere where they put little business cards and find five million painters business cards. And I kept saying, no, this isn't it. So I asked the Holy Spirit to help me. I asked him to give me the wisdom to how to market my husband's business. But this is the key thing, even before I show you what he did, that I want you to understand. When you are first 
born again or receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, in the beginning, it's special. And you tend to really, really appreciate it. I'll put it to you this way. You know when you bring home a baby from the hospital? Whether it's your first baby or your fifth baby or whatever. When you first bring that baby home, you're protective of it, right? You pay extra attention to it. You just, you know, you're just so excited that the baby's there. Now let the baby be 15, okay? And you know, you still love the baby, but you're not going to, you know, you're like, you want dinner, it's over there. Get it in the mouth. It's just different. You, you know what I mean? Well, sometimes... As believers, we have a tendency to be that way when it comes to things of God. You see, when you first receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, you're excited about it. You are paying attention. When you first become a believer and you really mean it, you take these scriptures and you hold on to them. They mean something to you. After a while, sometimes you start to kind of let your brain think, you know, I got this, I know this, you know, and you become a little calloused. And you kind of just push it away, like that baby that you just let be over there. And I don't want us to ever be that way. We got to think about that. Because it's in that time when we realize how precious our relationship is with the Lord, with the Word, with the Holy Spirit, that wonderful, powerful things can happen. Well, this was back when this occurred over 30 some odd years ago. And what the Holy Spirit gave me, I can still use today. That lets you know it's God. It's not dated. What he told me to do was he said, rather than come up with a business card that everybody else has, what do you like receiving that you pay a little extra attention to when you get it in the mail? And I was like, well, junk mail you obviously don't pay attention to. But you pay attention to a really nice invitation. Whether you plan on going to the event or not, if it comes to you and it's on, you know, you start, and especially some ladies, we start to critique it like, ooh, they spent a lot of money on this. Look at how nice this is. It's got raised lettering. Ooh, look at the paper. Now you know I'm right, correct? So the Lord told me, take his business card and make it an invitation. So that when, and, and done like an invitation where it has the second envelope and all the rest of that, no junk. So that when the person looks at it, you're inviting them when they open, you know, on the front, because you know how an invitation you open it. So on the front of it, you're inviting them, you're extending an invitation for them to see what's on the inside. When they open up the inside, they then see all of the information that they would find on his business card. And of course, you invite them to give him a call for them to, you know, have him do whatever services that they need. And he also gave me a logo, and he also gave me a term that says, our work is guaranteed to be an asset. Now the funny part was, on all of their work shirts, it would say that on the back of the shirt. So for all of those little people that, you know, it's on the back, our work is guaranteed to be an asset, think about it, you'll get it. It's a little play on words, <laughs> but it got people's attention. We can still use that to this day. The point that I'm making is our kids, we would get them together. We'd go into really, really nice neighborhoods. If we knew the addresses of people, we mailed it. If we didn't, 
we would go ahead and just give them the invitation. And that is how we started building our business. We have never advertised. All of our work comes word of mouth. But the Holy Spirit gave this little person who was sitting in her prayer closet and asked, gave me the answer of how to do that. Now, that might not mean anything to you, but let me tell you something. It made all the difference in the lives of my husband, myself, and our five children. Praise the Lord. Now, for those of you who saw the movie War Room, I could relate to the wife in that movie because there was a time that I had a full-time job that I mentioned. I was working for a Fortune 500 company and it allowed me to have someone watch my children, clean my house. I would go and every week get my hair done, my nails done. On lunch hour, I'd go shopping if I wanted to and just buy whatever it was I wanted because I had the extra funds and the extra money and all the rest of that to do that. Well, at one point we had a person who actually used to watch Stan when he was a child come to stay and watch the children because I actually had to fire one of the people that were watching the kids. And she came and, you know, she said, no, you know, I'll do it. And she came there and she lived with us. But she could see, see how many people know when you live somewhere, you get to really see the people. So she was living with us and she saw some things that weren't really quite correct. And I'll never forget, she called me on my job one day and she said, you are not in your rightful place. I'm telling you, she made me really angry. I was like, what do you mean I'm not in my rightful place? I, I mean, she, it just annoyed me, but she didn't say anything else. And I'm like, what do you mean? So now I'm upset because I'm like, you're telling me I'm not in my rightful place. And you know, and oh. So again, she was praying and I was praying. And to abridge the story, because the rest of it's not that important to bring me to the next part, I ended up coming home deciding to be a part of my children's life, take my rightful place as the wife and allow my husband to be the head of our house, the priest of our home. But I gotta tell you something, that was not easy. Because that meant I wasn't going to make my regular hair appointment. And this was back when those nails were out, you know, those porcelain nails, and you had to go like every week to get them. I had to cancel those appointments. And, I wasn't going to buy all the silk dresses every week because I wasn't having a lunch hour because I was at home, you know, like scrubbing my own floors and stuff. It was not the most wonderful time, but I learned to rely on the Word of God and especially the office of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit, as we've already learned, is God. His role is animate, it animates the body of Christ. That's, that is his role. And as we stated, he empowers it to do the will of the Most High God. So when we look at scripture containing the names of God, like you can even go to a Christian bookstore and they'll have like the 12 names of God. Know that every single one of those names applies to the Holy Spirit because he is God. So turn with me to John's Gospel the 14th chapter, and we're going to look at verses 26 and 27. So this is John's Gospel, the 14th chapter, the 26th verse. Do you have it? Yes. Okay. And it reads, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, 
whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Well, church, I needed the peace of God. Because at that time, I was truly a baby Christian. Oh, because the other thing, for those of you who know my testimony, because I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that either, when I received the gift of the Holy Spirit on August 24th, 1984 at the crusade, I thought I was born again. Did not know until I went to answer the altar call that I was not even born again. So I was born again and spirit-filled on August 24th, 1984, thanks to the wonderful counseling that Dr. Price, the apostle, insists upon in his counseling. Praise God. So I was born again. So at this point in, in my story, I'm still a baby Christian. And due to the fact that now I don't have any job and I'm at home and I got to do everything, I don't have a housekeeper, you know, all of this is on me all at one time, I needed some peace. Okay? So this is why that verse of scripture meant so much to me. Now I also learned to pray in the spirit every day and to trust God. I did not even know at the time that I was building myself up on my most holy faith. I didn't even know that. Let's look at Jude, and we're gonna look at verses 20 and 21. And I know you guys probably already know it, but it's okay. So if we look at Jude, and we look at verses 20 and 21, it says, but you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. I was standing on some other verses that the Holy Spirit undoubtedly illuminated to me. And we're gonna turn to them. The first one is Matthew, turn to Matthew's Gospel, the 21st chapter. And we're going to look at verses 21 and 22. And it says, So Jesus answered and said to me, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Now this of course reminds us of Mark 11, 23, 24. It definitely did for me. So you can turn to that, uh, Mark 11, 23, 24, or you may already know it uh, by memory. And it says, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And then the other verse that I stood on with everything I knew was Philippians 4.19. Again, you probably already know it, but as a baby Christian, it meant everything to me. It still does though now. And it says, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So you see, for me, I then recognize it's not about me. 
And it's not about what I don't have, it's about what I can have. If I just merely trust the word, trust God, and appreciate and ask and solicit the help of the Holy Spirit. So I was before the Lord about business ideas that I could do while I was at home, still taking care of my three children at the same time. I became an entrepreneur of a nutritional company, and I did quite well in a very, very short period of time. So much so that I was able to fund a one-week Caribbean vacation for our wedding anniversary. Now to me, that wasn't bad for somebody who was just sitting at home. I thought that was pretty good. The Holy Spirit is also compassionate. Still as a baby Christian, I got to a place where I was expecting our fourth child. And I have to tell you something, this is almost, it could be comical that I look back at it now, but it really wasn't funny at the time. Anyway, I was expecting a child and I decided, because I knew it was the right thing to do, that I wanted to pray for the fruit that was in my womb. And I based my prayer on Mark 11, 23, 24 of saying that, you know, when we believe we could have whatever it is we say. So I wanted to have twins because twins run in my family. My father's mother had six sets of twi twins and I just figured, okay, this is great. I want twins, I prayed for twins. But I prayed for twins and I wouldn't dare let anybody, anything, anyhow, say any way that I was not having these twins, okay? I did everything. I made confessions every day about the twins. I had the nursery set up for twins. That means you buy double all this stuff, you know, everything. Changed rooms in the house because I needed a bigger room for the nursery because I'm having twins. Did all of this. Well, when the day came for me to give birth, I had one child. I had a son. Now, that was good. He was 10 pounds, five and a half ounces, so believe me, he felt like twins, okay? But needless to say, though, I didn't have twins. And when you're a baby Christian and you've put it all out there and you believe God with everything you have and then it doesn't manifest, you can, I cannot even begin to explain to you how devastated I really felt. And then on top of it, I had gone around and told everybody, because I hadn't learned that you can ask God for something and keep it to yourself until it manifests. I was a baby, I didn't know, so I told everybody. Paper boy, everybody thought I was having these twins. And then I did not. So then, what does the enemy do? Uh, automatically, he makes you feel ashamed, you're embarrassed, you're stupid, you miss God. I mean, the whole nine yards. But the Holy Spirit is compassionate because he waited a few months. I think my son, I don't, he might have been seven months old, so he waited a while. And then he explained to me what the error was. The only error I made was that I prayed after I already found out I was expecting. So it's like, how could I expect God to change the fruit that he had blessed me with? That was my error. It wasn't that God didn't want to grant it. It wasn't anything like that. I just didn't know. I was ignorant. I prayed, but he did it and said it to me in such a way that I was so blessed. Because you see, the Holy Spirit, he doesn't condemn you. He doesn't make you feel bad. He doesn't, you know, like people can do. 
He did it so lovingly and I was so grateful because I learned a very valuable lesson. And then he is so precious because I always worked in the nursery at the church we were going to at the time because I love babies, love children. And a set of twins, I'll never forget it, Keith and Kevin came in. They were nine months old. Everybody sought me out because they knew how much I wanted these twins. All I can tell you is I praise the Lord that I didn't have twins. <laughs> because after I took care of these babies, you get one of them quiet and they're sleeping and the other one, it's like they know. And he just would wake up and then wake the other one up and then they cry. I was like, Lord, you knew. <laughs> Whether I messed up or not, you knew. I am not, the, I'm not anointed to be the mother of twins. I can take care of them, but no, not, no. <laughs> So I was like, thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> now, the Holy Spirit will show you things because I want you to take what you've learned and start applying it. You can do it for things like believing God for a parking space if you're a driver. We do it all the time, okay? Believing God that your right connection on your whatever it is. See, I'm not good with that because I live on Long Island. But I know you have bus connections and all the rest of that stuff. Believe that everything arrives on time so that you can get where it is you need to go. Start with little things. It doesn't have to be magnanimous. Okay? Start believing God that he will show you how to get everything done on your to-do list in a given day. And then watch how you soar through it. Believe him for Oh man, I am not going to be able to get into some of this really, really good stuff. One of the things, this is another little highlight because I'm going to run out of time, is that we, back having a lot of kids, I wanted to have this big Thanksgiving because I like to cook and I like to have a lot of stuff. So I remember, I'll never forget the look on my husband's face when I took him to the grocery store and I piled up the conveyor belt with all of these groceries. And I know he was looking at me like, really? <laughs> because it was a lot of stuff because this was back 30 some odd years ago so just the I mean it was just lot, it took more than one basket give you an idea and then the woman starts hitting the button I say now this was before couponing became something that people talk about but the Holy Spirit helped me and showed me what I needed to do I saved over $85 with, I, we paid like, I think it was $15 and change for two baskets full of food because the Lord showed me how to do it. He showed me how to do things. He showed me how to use the gifts and talents that he had given to me so that I could use it to his honor and glory and be able to satisfy whatever it was that I wanted to do. He'll do the same thing for you. You just have to ask him. That's it. It's not, this is not some mystical, far out, foreign thing. You see what has happened and what's done in the apostle's life. You, I'm just trying to share with you little tidbits and I got to stop because I ran out of time. Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 945 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. 
Thanks again for listening. And remember, walk by faith, not by sight.